What's up, guys? Welcome back. It's been a little while. Hope you're doing okay. Um, let me make sure I have my sound adjustments right here. Looks like I was blowing up your earbuds. Um, yeah, so haven't been recording as much as I was kind of hoping to, but I'm looking to try and make it a consistent, you know, once a week at least. Uh, this is a kind of crazy time in the NFL. Uh, there's a ton of trades happening. Free agency is three days away. The tamping period, tampering period starts tomorrow. Um, we had the combine, which I had a little bit about, but we haven't really had a chance to dive into. There's a ton of film to break down and draft prospects and a million other things. So, yeah, and then just my personal life is crazy. Uh, I've mentioned before, I adopted a puppy like the day before the Super Bowl. So the last month has been trying to balance, you know, having a four month old puppy with my new job that I started in January, where I'm kind of taking on like the responsibility of like interviewing and hiring and training a lot of people. So, you know, it's like work plus overtime plus a puppy plus. Now I got to try and figure out how to squeeze in like, you know, combine and draft prospecting and free agency and podcast and YouTubing while also maintaining a personal life. It's a lot. <laughs> uh, so forgive me if I'm not getting out as much content, uh, you know, as I'd like to, but we're still here. We're still going and I'm going to try and give you as much as possible and, you know, the best information that I can as always. So, that being said, let's get into it. We got a lot to cover. Some of the things I'm going to kind of skip over a little bit just because it's past, like the combine specific stuff, specific players. Uh, we'll get into that more. But we'll just start off. First thing is I had a chance to hop on the Niner Fanatics podcast with Peter Lucas. It was good stuff. Uh, had a great time with him. And overall, just, it was a good time. Uh, highly recommend checking that out if you want to check out that episode, his podcast. Literally just a Niner Fanatic podcast. Uh, I think it's Niner Fanatic, Niner Fanatics. Um, I'm sure I'm messing that up, but it was with Peter Lucas. Had a great time. We talked for over an hour, just everything football related. And uh, yeah, just... Good, good, good stuff. Lots of fun. Let's see here. I want to make sure I got it right. Yeah, Niner Fanatics. So, beyond that, um, having a great time with him. Check out that episode. Support him. You probably follow him already on Twitter. Uh, it is Peter at Peter Lucas Eight. Let's get into all the news. So. We will start off with all the quarterback stuff because there's been a whole lot of quarterback stuff going on over the last week. Basically, since the combine ended, it has been quarterback chaos in the NFL, which is fun. It makes for a ton of content, a lot of things to talk about. The first big piece of news that dropped was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers signs huge extension. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of $200 million, four years, around $153 million guaranteed. And then Rodgers came out because he likes to be the center of attention, said, hey, 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 now, I'm returning, but those numbers aren't right. 
because he has to be the center of attention. So Aaron Rodgers is sticking with Green Bay. They also franchise tag Devontae Adams. So I guess good on them. They're paying all that money to Aaron Rodgers just so he can lose to the Niners every single time they face us in the playoffs. So enjoy that, Aaron Rodgers, being a 0-4 against the 49ers in the postseason for his career. All that money just to lose to the 49ers. <laughs> uh, plus all the money that they're giving to Devonte Adams. I heard that they were going to be releasing uh, one, if not both, of the Smith, uh, the Smiths, their pass rushers. Uh, so that's cool. If they're you know not able to keep their pass rush going, there's only so much that you can pay certain players before it affects your team negatively. And if they're going to pay Aaron Rodgers in the neighborhood of $50 million a year or $40 million a year, and then also pay Devontae Adams around $20 million this year, if you're talking 50 to $60 million in cap space this season going towards those two players, that's over a quarter of the cap going towards two players. The rest of your team is going to suffer so if they want to continue to pay Aaron Rodgers with his elite talent but shitty leadership skills, then, you know, have at it. Works for me. It also does the good thing of not allowing him to be an available quarterback on the market, which rises Jimmy G's value. Uh, the thing that happened literally about an hour after that news came out was Russell Wilson gets traded to the Broncos. So... I don't remember the exact details of the trade, but the Broncos traded like two firsts, I think two seconds, as well as defensive tackle Shelby Harris and tight end Noah Fant to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson and a fourth. And like, hell yeah. Can I get a hell yeah? We no longer have to face Russell Wilson twice a year. The Seahawks for basically five plus seasons have been absolutely shit at the draft at free agency at acquiring talent and Russell Wilson has been basically carrying the team on his back with fourth quarter heroics and ridiculous scramble 50 yard plus bomb touchdowns to win games and stab the Niners in the heart for 10 years that era is officially over hell yeah I'm so happy about that also, living in the Pacific Northwest, growing up an hour and a half from Seattle where there were barely any Seahawks fans, then I moved to California, started watching the Niners and fell in love during the Harbaugh area, and I've loved football for 10 plus years because of the Niners, I never, like, nobody around here, and I'm talking like... There's no other teams in the Pacific Northwest. I live about 30 minutes from the Canadian border, an hour and a half away from Seattle. There were barely any Seahawks fans here growing up, and I spent the first 21 years of my life here. I move away, fall in love with football because the Niners and the Harbaugh area, and then Russell Wilson gets drafted, and all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of Seahawks fans. And it was just kind of funny because, you know, they were really, really dominant for... About a four or five year stretch when they had Wilson on a rookie contract, they had the Super Bowl win, the Super Bowl, the second Super Bowl appearance that they lost. And after that first three or four years of Russell Wilson, they couldn't draft. I don't understand why they decided to stick with the general manager and the coach over Russell Wilson. 
you literally have a Hall of Fame quarterback in his prime, and you've been so shitty at getting talent around him that he has not wanted to be there for multiple seasons. He basically forced his way out. And they traded two first-round picks for Jamal Adams, who's basically an undersized linebacker who plays safety that can't cover, that's really good at blitzing. So they traded two first-round picks for a run-defending safety and then overpaid him. And then he had a season-ending injury. And then they trade away their Hall of Fame quarterback for two first-round picks. So they netted, I know these are two entirely different trades and they were two years apart, but those two trades just show you how terrible this front office is. They have almost no talent on that team. And on top of that, they cut Bobby Wagner, a Hall of Fame linebacker. Granted, he's near the end of his prime, but really? I think that just shows that the Seahawks have basically given up and they're going to rebuild. And with all the like draft capital they gained, it's not like they have a lot more draft capital than they would. Like they traded away what would be the 10th pick for Jamal Adams. And now they have the ninth pick from the Broncos. So congratulations. After all these moves, you've moved up one spot in the first round. So it's like, they don't even have excess draft capital. They just have the normal amount of draft capital that you would expect to have. Maybe an extra second rounder, but, you know, whoopee. And again, I with how terrible they've been at drafting, I have zero confidence that their general manager is going to do a good job of drafting guys. Um, I will say, I do think Pete Carroll is a very good head coach. The fact that he's been given jack shit to work with outside of, you know, Basically, they've been so bad acquiring talent over the last five or so six years. It amazes me they've been this competitive. I mean, it's basically just been Russell Wilson, two or three other guys. Like, they basically have had Russell Wilson, two receivers, and on defense, they've had Bobby Wagner. Uh, and, and that's about it for the last, like, six years consistently. The fact that they've actually been competitive makes me believe that Pete Carroll's a damn good coach, even though he makes weird decisions sometimes. Because he's coaching up shit talent because they can't draft. So I have zero confidence that they're going to be able to rebuild correctly, which makes me very happy because living here and watching all these Seahawks fans just like break down and the tears, the glorious 12s tears... It's so good. It feels so good. I have been just relishing this. It is so awesome. Just basking in the glory and just drinking the Seahawks tears out of a chalice. It's been good. It's been good. So very, very fun seeing the Seahawks finally crumble after being propped up by a couple Hall of Famers. Um... I just, I don't understand why they kept the general manager, but hey, if they want to keep doing that, by all means, you're not going to be able to acquire anything. And it's not like Hall of Fame starting quarterbacks just grow on trees out there. Broncos, big winners. 
I think the Broncos instantly are a Super Bowl contender. And it's a really hard division. I will say that is a really fucking hard division now. Um, But it's going to be really fun to watch. I will say it's going to be a lot easier to watch Russell Wilson knowing that he's not in our division. And the AFC West is just going to be so fun to watch. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Derek Carr is the worst quarterback in that division, and he's probably the 10th or 12th best quarterback in the NFL. So the fact that they have essentially four top 10 quarterbacks in that division is ridiculous. It's going to be such a fun division to watch. Those matchups are going to be awesome. And we do have to play the Broncos. Um, We're actually playing the entire AFC West next season. So we do have to go against all those top 10 quarterbacks, which is going to be rough. But we don't have to face Russell Wilson twice a year. Thank you. Hallelujah. So, yeah, just I love it. It's it's going to make the AFC West that much more fun to watch. And now I'll finally be able to appreciate how good Russell Wilson is. Because uh, he's so freaking good, and it's not going to hurt to watch. <laughs> now I'll just be able to be like, wow, that's fun. Ha ha, Patrick Mahomes lost. Yes. Um, I'll probably be rooting for Herbert the most. I, uh, I I think I got a, I think I have a soft spot for the Chargers. So, we will move on from the Seahawks collapsing and burning. I'm all for it. I love it. Love it! Makes me so happy. And again, especially living like an hour and a half from Seattle. Love it. All these all these sad Seahawks fans, like breaking the news to them. They were like, what are we going to do? I'm like, yes. Yes. Feel the pain. <laughs> <laughs> what else has been going on? So that's not even all the quarterback news. Carson Wentz gets traded to the Washington Commanders, the Commies. I'm having a hard time not just calling them the football team. That just, to me, it rolls off the tongue better than Commanders. Commanders is lame. Commanders is like the most politically correct name that you come up with. We were like, hey, we know we were like a little bit offensive. So now let's just be super boring. <laughs> it's like, all right, cool. I guess we'd be super boring. Um, but yeah, so Wentz to Washington, which means, and here's what's interesting. So he got traded for Basically two third rounders, a third rounder this year, a third rounder next year. Uh, They moved up like five spots in the second round. So they swapped seconds. And I think there was another pick in there next year. But either way, I think what this shows is this is about the value that we hopefully should expect from Jimmy is two third round. So third, fourth rounders. Uh, most likely we're going to have a conditional pick next year, just depending on what we're looking at. But I think that's about the value that we can expect from Jimmy. Jimmy still hasn't been traded yet, which it's kind of nerve wracking because the tampering period starts tomorrow, Monday. There's two days of legal tampering, quote unquote. And then free agency is Wednesday, officially new league year. Jimmy's got to be gone by Wednesday. Now, they can negotiate deals over the next two days, but they're not official until Wednesday. 
Jimmy can't be on the books Wednesday. If Jimmy's on the books Wednesday, that's like 26 and a 26 plus million dollars against the cap. I'm really hoping he gets traded. I don't know what the value is. Um, again, ideally, like anything, if we get a fourth rounder or better, I will be more than happy. There's a lot of talent in this draft between, on like day two, like picks 20 to 100, there's a whole lot of quality guys. This is a draft where it's like kind of top heavy and like the top five or so picks. And then it's kind of blurry with the rest of the first round. And then there's a whole lot of day two talent where you got some day two starters. Very deep class, just in terms of like picks picks 20 to 100. There's going to be a lot of very good quality players available. So if we can get a third round pick, I am very happy because if we nail that pick, that's a starter, realistically. And there's a lot of guys that could start. Uh, that'll be available in the third round. If we get like a fourth rounder this year, a fourth rounder next year, that could be a third or a second based off play time. I don't know what they're going to go for, but I think generally what we saw with the Wentz contract or the Wentz trade was Wentz is an average quarterback with some injury concerns, just like Jimmy. And he went for two third rounders. I think that's a about in the neighborhood of what we can expect the Jimmy trade to be. And then as far as whether that's more or less, I think it comes down to just kind of like the politics and the, uh, you know, the, the chicken contest, you know, like who's going to blink first. Um, who's more desperate, you know, is it like you're really desperate because Jimmy's your last option. So you give up a second rounder. Or are you like, hey, you know what? We're really not that desperate. We don't care if we get him or not. And if you cut him, we'll pick him up at $15 million a year versus giving up draft capital and, you know, paying him $25 next year. So it's kind of that whole power struggle, negotiations, um, anything. If, if we get a fourth rounder or better, I will be very happy um, if it comes down to it and the trade doesn't happen till Tuesday night and it turns out that all we get is a fifth rounder, like, cool, that's okay. Um, if we have to trade him for a bag of peanuts, then that's okay too, because it clears up 26 plus million dollars in cap space that we need for free agency. And we'll get into some free agent stuff, but, uh, Jimmy G is on the watch. Also, in regards to the trade stuff, there is one more thing that happened that's big news in the quarterback world, and that is Deshaun Watson. So Deshaun Watson, he's had his pending legal and civil cases, the 22 accusations of whatever kind of misconduct with all the different masseuses, and it's it's just a very weird story. Uh, I thought that it was very, just the whole thing is just weird. Like, why do you have 22 plus masseuses? And what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Like, the team provides, like, massage therapists for you. You're just going out on your own like, hey, you want to you wanna massage my inner thighs? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, now you're going to deal with some legal shit. Uh, so, whoops, sorry about that. But anyways, point being is that as of Friday, the legal side of things, and again, I am making the distinction between legal and civil, the legal side of things was uh, 
the state of Texas, the jury, whatever it was, I'm not a lawyer, they decided that they would not be pressing or pursuing any criminal, criminal charges against Deshaun Watson. So legally, from a criminal legal proceeding, he is cleared. Now, he still has 22 civil cases against him. Does the NFL care about that? Is he going to be suspended? Do other teams care about that? The fact that the legal side of things is basically done means that teams have already started calling around, inquiring. Apparently, the Panthers and the Saints have already made trade offers now. Uh, I just saw that this morning. So as of Sunday morning, I've seen those two teams reportedly have made offers. Um, I don't remember who saw that. I think it was like Schefter official. His blue check mark. But yeah, so now we got the Deshaun Watson thing. So Jimmy's always kind of been like everyone's like third choice for a starting quarterback. And there's some teams that don't really care about, you know, character or legal issues with certain players. I think the 49ers after Reuben Foster decided, hey, you know what? We're not going to tolerate anything that's a serious character concern. So people with serious players with serious character concerns are basically not an option for the Niners. There's other teams that don't really care about that. I mean, look at, uh, you know, like the Seahawks, the chiefs, I mean, Frank Clark, you know, there was a whole huge thing pre-draft where he like beat up his girlfriend or whatever. Tyreek Hill. There's been a lot of like questionable things. I mean, how many players do we find out how get into, you know, like domestic violence issues? They get suspended for like two, three, four games. Um, but then, you know, you have, so they, okay, cool. So you get suspended like a month for your job for hitting a woman. But, you know, if you're like making bets when you're taking some time off of football, we'll suspend you for a year, a la Cal- Calvin Ridley. And if you... It's it's just weird, you know. So we'll see what the deal is with Deshaun Watson, but he's now on the market. So now we have to wait for another domino to fall before Jimmy gets traded. Um, ultimately, though, things are heating up quickly in the trade market. Jimmy is a commodity. Jimmy is not everyone's first choice. I still believe that the best options out there in terms of a fit for Jimmy are the Steelers and the Colts. Both those teams have, they value, well, maybe not the Steelers as much because of Ben Roethlisberger, um, but both teams, they have mature coaching staffs. They have coaches that want and need to win. They value leadership in addition to talent. Um, I think the Colts are the best fit. You know, you look at what the, what the Colts do. The Colts have a really good run game. They have a couple offensive weapons. They have a good defense and they're well coached. And why did they get rid of Carson Wentz? They got rid of Carson Wentz, not because of the talent. Carson Wentz has more talent than Jimmy Garoppolo. Carson Wentz had statistically a better season than Jimmy Garoppolo, more touchdowns, less interceptions. But Carson Wentz is not a leader in the locker room. 
he uh, reported reportedly i'll just say allegedly reportedly allegedly not a good leader in the locker room not a not coachable so you got a guy who's not coachable that's not a good leader well what do the colts want you know they're very much about high character jimmy's that guy if you want an average quarterback who is you know maybe not an elite quarterback but he is average, but you want a very, very good leader, you will never hear anyone say anything bad about Jimmy G as a person, as a leader. Every single person on the 49ers would basically die for Jimmy Garoppolo. And you never hear that about guys like Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers. People talk about how talented they are, but they never talk about their leadership ability as a person. So... That's one reason why I think Jimmy to the Colts makes the most sense. Also, they've got excess draft capital. They just got an, two extra third rounders. You know what? Give us one of those third rounders. We'll send Jimmy over to you. You know, they've got, I think now they have pick 43 from Washington, and then they've got 75 from Washington, and they've got their own third, which is 80. G- give me... If you're really desperate, give me 43. If you're less desperate, cool. Just give me 75 or 80. Give me either one of those. Give me a conditional. Give me a fourth next year that can be a third if Jimmy plays, you know, 70% of the snaps or whatever. Um, But you now have excess draft capital. You gave up all of Carson Wentz's contract. You cleared up all the cap space. I think they've got 70 or 80 million in cap space. So it's a perfect fit. They got rid of all of Carson Wentz's contract. They can pick up Jimmy. It's basically the same cost. I think Jimmy's maybe $1 million less. You didn't like the leadership of Wentz. You get the leadership of Jimmy. You plug and play him into a really good run game with a good defense on a well-coached, character-driven team. And you have the extra day two draft capital that it's a perfect fit. I love it. And the Niners of Colts have worked out deals before. You know, DeForest Buckner. We traded Buckner to the Colts. We we kind of did him a solid saying, hey, go out, get your money. We're not going to be able to pay you. What you're asking for is more than we are willing to do. But go out, find somebody, work out a deal. We'll get you there. They worked out of the deal. Uh, they sent him to where he wanted to go, where he could get his money. They kind of did him a solid, or at least as much of a solid as they could for the situation that they were in. So... I think that's a good fit. The Steelers would also be a good fit in terms of they have a really good defense. They have a well-coached team. They've got a few weapons. I think the biggest concern with the Steelers is they don't have an offensive line, and Jimmy needs an offensive line. Jimmy Garoppolo from a clean pocket uh, was around the 10th best quarterback last year, but when he was under pressure, he was more like the 20th. So... I feel like Jimmy is just one of those guys where, you know, he's a pocket quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is very much just like a a quick passing rhythm in the pocket quarterback. And if you've got a solid offensive line and you've got a good quick passing game, which the Steelers have, they have a good quick passing game. I think he's a good fit. And again, you got a really good defense. So you don't need Jimmy to put up big numbers and the Steelers have a legacy of winning. Uh, I, I think that their head coach, Mike Tomlin, hasn't had a losing season in like 15 years. Like they've been, they've had a winning season every single year since he started. I'm sure they want to keep that up. 
the division is tough, but you plug in a Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy was better than Big Ben and they made it to the playoffs last year with old fat Big Ben. So I I think that's a good fit. I think those are the two best fits. There's other teams that are out there. The Saints, I don't think they're going to send Jimmy to a conference contender that almost kicked them out. Uh, The Panthers could be an option, but I think the Panthers are more likely to go for a Deshaun Watson and make a big splash. Um, And they all, but who knows? Either way, we've got two days. We're on the Jimmy watch train. And uh, as long as he's traded before the new league year, I'm happy. If he's not traded by Tuesday night, I would not be surprised if he ends up getting cut and they end up saying, you know what? Screw it. We'll take the $7 million hit going into free agency because as soon as Jimmy gets signed, that other team picks up that $7 million injury guarantee from Jimmy, right? There's that $7 million injury guarantee that if he gets cut, the Niners are on the hook for. However, my understanding is that offset language, as soon as he is picked up by another team, they incur that $7 million. So the Niners basically clear up about $19 million in cap space by cutting him. And then as soon as he's signed by another team, they gain another $7 million in cap space. I don't know how the time frame works on that, on that exactly, but that's my understanding. Is it's, It frees up $19 million, roughly, $18, $19 million against the cap until he gets signed. And then you get the remainder of that $7.5 or so million for the injuries. So... I think that's pretty much everything with quarterback stuff. Whole lot of uh, just crazy, crazy stuff in the quarterback world. And as soon as Jimmy gets traded, we'll come out and uh, we'll talk about it. I'm just looking real quick to see if anything's happened in the last like 10 minutes because it may have. It may have. Oh, there was a rumor. Okay. People are making all kind of predictions and stuff, but... As far as I'm seeing here, nothing is officially official. Let's move on to some Niners coaching changes as well as some player re-signs. So real quick, I'll just go over the players that got re-signed. The Niners are bringing back a couple solid depth pieces. So there's four players that they've already signed to a one-year extension. A lot of these guys are kind of what we were expected with like restricted free agents. So, uh, four players get one-year extensions. Uh, I don't think we have the numbers yet in terms of the amounts, uh, but defensive lineman Kevin Givens, as well as Maurice Hurst, they've both been given a one-year extension. I really like these two. Maurice Hurst is very talented. Unfortunately, he had a, a couple injuries last year. If I remember correctly, it was like an ankle thing, and it just... He couldn't quite get back, so and they couldn't put him on IR because he'd be out for the season. They were hoping to bring him back. Um, but Maurice Hurst is very talented uh, as a three technique. Same thing, Kevin Givens, solid depth piece, a rotational interior defensive lineman. He's more of a pass rusher, uh, but Kevin Givens can make plays. Remember last year he had that, that awesome play that he had where he had the, the uh, strip or the fumble, the forced fumble against Dalvin Cook against the Vikings, where he just beat his guy off the snap, flew through the gap. He's very much one of those uh, twitchy, penetrating three techniques. Um, So, you know, both guys, pass rushing, three techs. I really like it, like the depth. 
like the signings there in terms of extending those two guys, Kevin Givens, Maurice Hurst. Jamichael Hasty also being brought back. I like that. Um, my hope is that Jamichael Hasty is our number three or four running back. If Jamichael Hasty is our third or fourth running back, I'm happy. I just don't ever want him starting. He's a solid pass catcher. Uh, not the best runner, but he seems to have resolved his fumbling issues. And, you know, like he's he's a good depth piece in terms of you need a third or fourth running back. If he's your third or fourth running back, that's cool. Also, they re-signed offensive lineman Colton McKivitz. And McKivitz had uh, one start this year at left tackle when Lakin Tomlinson was out. I'm not sure where he fits in. He played left tackle in college. They've tried him at right guard. Um, so we will see. We will see. Uh, we also gave Nate Sudfeld a contract, which was interesting. It was like $2 million guaranteed. So with him getting $2 million guaranteed, my guess is that they're not going to decide to bring in a more expensive veteran quarterback, if that makes sense. Um, because it's $2 million guaranteed, I don't think we're going to be going out and spending $5 million on a Tyrod Taylor or $8 million on a Mariota or a... Uh, yeah. Anyways, point being is I don't think we're going to be spending a whole lot more money on another backup quarterback. I think we might just end up with having Sudfeld and then we bring up like a number three guy on the practice squad. But the fact that they gave him that much guaranteed tells me that they've decided Lance QB one Sudfeld QB two, which is cool. Cause that means our QB room is only accounts for like $10 million between Lance and Sudfeld. So awesome. And we'll probably have some third guy that we have on practice squad and a fourth guy when we have the 90 man roster just to help with game reps. Let's see here. Uh, I think those are the main ones. We also ended up re-signing uh, DFF, so linebacker Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. He is one of our key special teamers, so I like that. He's also, uh, he's young, he's cheap, and he's good on special teams, so I'll take him, you know? He was one of those guys where if we can keep him around, keep him cheap, he's our fourth linebacker, he plays special teams, really good athlete, he can cover being a former safety. I like it. You know, these are these are just kind of some depth pieces, but they're the kinds of guys that I'm glad that they brought back. They're going to be cheap. They're talented. They fit the scheme. It's good to keep them around. I think that's the main stuff. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other free agent or things. I believe that there was a restructure or two. I don't remember exactly, but just something to keep a keep an eye on. Let me see if there's anything else here. Uh, nope. Cool. That was pretty much it. So yeah, that is the roster stuff that's happened. As far as the coaching goes, there's a few changes with the 49ers coaching. So I'm going to try and bring up all the details, but the big ones are quarterback coach. Let me see, just coach. Cool. I'm just going to try and find the article that has all the coaching stuff. Cool. Here we go. So quarterback coach. So the big one was Brian Greasy. So Brian Greasy was brought in to be the 49ers 
quarterbacks coach. So we lost our quarterback coach. We lost our offensive coordinator. Uh, we lost our tight end coach and we lost our wide receiver coach. I think we lost an offensive line assistant. I believe those are the main ones that we lost this year. So who did we bring in? So we brought in Brian Greasy. Brian Greasy was an interesting decision because he's never coached, but what he does have is a lot of experience playing quarterback. I think he played eight or nine seasons in the NFL. He was a pro bowl quarterback one year and he has familiarity with Shanahan, both Shanahan's and the system. So Brian Greasy, he was drafted by the Broncos uh, the year before John Elway left. Uh, so he was drafted in his rookie season. He got to sit behind John Elway with the Broncos. Mike Shanahan was the coach at this time. So you figure you got that Shanahan connection. He learned with and under Mike Shanahan. So he knows a lot of the system. He also played for multiple years. He played, I believe, one year where at Tampa Bay, where Kyle Shanahan was one of the assistant coaches there. So he's got that connection with the Shanahan system. He's got experience playing in the league, Pro Bowl one year. I think the fact that he spent the last 10 years being a football commentator instead of being a coach, it's not necessarily a bad thing, especially because he's been been following a lot of college football. So he's watched the evolution of old school pocket quarterbacks to more of the new school, more mobile quarterbacks with the college offenses that are kind of moving more into the NFL. I think that it's a good thing because it's in a sense, in a, in a sense, it's Shanahan saying, we want to, the first thing you need to understand is what his job is. So the quarterback coach, it's not to work on Trey Lance's mechanics, things like that. That's off season stuff. The quarterback's the quarterback coach's job is to get the quarterback ready for the game on Sunday. So the fact that you've had a guy who worked under Kyle's dad, worked with Kyle, so he's got familiarity with the offense, the offensive system. He's been watching college quarterbacks. He's been watching college offenses, seeing the evolution of the college quarterbacks from pocket passers to more mobile athletic guys with arm talent. Following that evolution, has the experience playing in the league, has the experience under the system, I think it's a good fit. Uh, how good is he as a coach? We don't know. But in terms of if you want to make a young quarterback feel comfortable, I think it's a really, really good hire. It's an interesting hire, and it's it's there's some question marks about it. But I like it. You know, you've got... He's basically a veteran QB who has experience in the same system who's been watching young quarterbacks and the offenses evolve over the last 10 years. I think that's kind of a perfect mesh for what Shanahan wants. Also, one thing that has been kind of brought up a couple times here and there is Shanahan's kind of ideal quarterback. Shanahan grew up 
his dad coached the Broncos with John Elway. Obviously, I don't want to compare Lance to Elway, but you can kind of see how Kyle Shanahan can see Trey Lance as his John Elway. You know, like, he's athletic, he's big, he's, big, he's strong, he's mobile, but he's not a running quarterback. He's got a big arm, he likes to throw, he can open up the field. Do, do you kind of see what I'm getting at here? Like, obviously I'm not comparing Lance to Elway, but I'm saying the style of big, strong, mobile, but also armed to get it anywhere on the field, intelligent. Like, I can see Shanahan saying... I want to mold this kid, this kid into my Elway, you know, and I like that. And now you've got a quarterback who sat behind John Elway, was in the same coaching system as John Elway, learned with his dad, worked with Shanahan for a year or two in Tampa, played for 10 years, knows the game inside out, knows how to prep on a weekly basis. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Like, again, obviously he hasn't coached, but... I mean, you got a guy in there with 10 years of real-world NFL play experience. And with all that other experience, the familiarity, I think it's a great fit. Some other coaching changes. Uh, the Niners promoted Brian Flurry to tight ends coach. The uh, Anthony Lynn, so our assistant head coach, he's also now going to be the running back coach since... Um, oh, I forget his name. Uh, Bobby Turner? He's taken the year off for his medical stuff. The Chris Forrester, our offensive line coach, is also going to be our run game coordinator, which I love it. I love that because one of the things I very much believe in is the success of your running game has more to do with the blocking and the offensive line than the running back themselves. It doesn't matter how good of a running back you have. How good the offensive line is blocking for you is what gives your running back the opportunity. So the fact that the offensive line coach is also going to be coordinating the run game, I love it. It makes perfect sense to me. Uh, they are also, uh, Bobby Slowick got promoted to offensive passing game coordinator. So we don't actually have an offensive coordinator anymore. But we do have a run game coordinator, a pass game coordinator, and an assistant head coach who's the running backs coach. And Anthony Lynn. Love it. I love all those. I think it's it's the perfect way to spread out the... I'm trying to figure out the word. Spread out the offensive responsibilities throughout like three, three guys that are good fit. And it makes sense, you know? Anthony Lynn. Former running back in a Shanahan system, former head coach, former offensive coordinator. He's now an assistant head coach and a running back coach. Cool. Chris Forrester, really good offensive line coach. Now he's coaching the offensive line and he's coordinating the run game, which he coordinates the offensive line for. So perfect. You've got, you know, a former running back, offensive coordinator, head coach, doing running back and head coaching assistant. You've got an offensive line, which helps with the run game, also doing the offensive line and the run game coordinator. And they're promoting Bobby Slowick from within to the offensive pass game coordinator. I love it. And then, of course, Kyle Shanahan is going to be, um, you know, calling the plays. But now you got three guys as kind of your, 
your uh, your mastermind group that you're creating your offensive game plan for. So I, I like those hires. Uh, Clay Kubiak, son of uh, the other Kubiak, where you know all the Kubiaks, he got promoted to assistant quarterback coach, so that's kind of cool. Uh, not really a whole lot of others I'm going to go into. Uh, we did hire Nick Sorensen, former safety in the NFL, to a defensive assistant. Uh, he spent a couple years with the Jaguars and Seahawks coaching staffs. So he's got familiarity with a lot of that cover three and kind of Seattle background that we've kind of took and evolved over the last couple of years. So I like that fit. And Brian Schneider, the other big one, is the special teams coordinator. We got rid of Hightower, which is good because tired of having a bottom five, bottom ten special teams. And Brian Schneider, he's had up and down special teams, but he had about ten years of experience as a special teams coordinator. He had as high as like a top five special teams. He had as low as like a 20th. But he never had like a bottom five, bottom 10 special teams. So it's going to be an improvement or at the very least it should. Uh, so when you've got a bottom five unit, it's pretty much there's only one way you can go. So I feel like special teams will be improved, which is a good thing because special teams like I, as long as it doesn't lose you the game, I'm happy. I don't expect special teams to win the game. Uh, but you definitely don't want your special teams to lose the game, which we've definitely dealt with before. And uh, one more, Leonard Hankerson got promoted to wide receivers coach to make up for the loss of Wes Welker. And I think I already mentioned uh, Brian Fleury got promoted to tight ends coach uh, to make up for that loss as they both went to the Dolphins with McDaniel. By the way, McDaniel, love his interviews. It's so fun seeing him out there because he's got such a quirky personality. Um, definitely recommend checking out the Mike McDaniel coaching interviews because they're fun. They're fun. Um, yeah, he's he's an entertaining guy. I like it. <laughs> All right. Cool. So we got coaching. We got the couple re-signs. Uh, we've got free agency coming up. I'm not going to talk too much about free agency. What I will say is there's essentially three things that I think the Niners should look for in terms of free agency. Offensive line, just because McGlinchey, Brunskill, Tomlinson, big question marks. It sounds like Mac is coming back. If Mac decides to retire, I would expect to hear that news before free agency. It hasn't happened yet, so I'm expecting Mac to be back. Uh, just because I think that's a courtesy, you know, if you're going to retire, you should do it so that the team can prepare in free agency. And as far as good scheme fits, I'll just give a couple fits real quick just for each of the positions. So if Tart doesn't come back, um, Terrell Edmonds, I think that's his name, former Steeler safety. Uh, he could be an option. Also, uh, Reed out of the Texans. I think he'd be a great fit. He's younger. Uh, he's really good. Also brother of former 49ers safety. Uh, so I forget it. I don't think his first name is Justin Reed, but yeah, Reed. Um, 
So offensive line, I think that the best fit that I heard was, what was it? Uh, Mark Glowinski. So guard for the um, brain dead here. Guard for the Colts. He is a athletic, I believe, right guard and an above average zone blocker with the Colts. I think that would be a good fit if we're not able to keep Lake and Tomlinson. Uh, we already went over corner. Um, there's a couple other guards out there. Personally, I really hope we're able to keep Tomlinson. If not, Glowinski could be a good fit. Uh, Ryan Jensen, the center, could also play center or guard, former Tampa Bay free agent. Um, and then in terms of corners, uh, you know, obviously somebody like... Stephon Gilmore would be awesome to bring in. I actually did that on a Madden <laughs> rebuild uh, a week or two ago. So that was fun. I kind of played the season out and then I got to the off season and I was like, cool, let's add Stephon Gilmore to the secondary. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be an option. Uh, I think that we might end up going with more of like a veteran depth piece. Uh, so a couple other guys that I would think about, uh, Casey Hayward, or Charvarius Ward, I think would be a good option. Uh, free agent out of the Kansas City Chiefs. I like him. You know, he's young, athletic. He's got the height, the length, good man cover corner, uh, good tackler. So a couple options, you know, in free agency. Those are kind of the main things I'll be looking at. But we'll find out a lot more in the next couple of days who gets, who re-signs, who's going to be a free agent, who gets, uh, yeah, there's not really a, uh, I guess the uh, the free uh, the tags have already happened, but yeah, so that's kind of free agency stuff. Uh, so I'm sure we'll be back here in a few days with some free agency stuff. I'll definitely be doing some all 22 film breakdowns of whoever we pick up in free agency, just to kind of, you know, hey, what are we getting here? Which brings us to just a quick combine recap. Um. There's a couple of general things that I got from the combine. Uh, number one was, wow, there's a lot of speed. There are some very, very, very fast receivers in this draft. Like the 40, 40 times were ridiculous this year. Uh, there was, I think, four guys, five guys, six guys who ran a sub 4-4. Four, four. Um, there's some potential late round targets that I like Tyquan Thornton, Bo Melton, uh, Danny Gray, Vellis Jones Jr. There's, there's four guys right there that I think are day three, just pure speed threats. I'm not saying that they're a number one corner, but I want a speed guy to take the top off and all those guys, they could be potential options. They run a sub four, four. If they're available day three, sub four, four. Just give me some speed, stretch the field for Trey. Uh, we'll get into more detail on who I think is the best. Um, but even like Calvin Austin out of Memphis, he's small, but he ran a sub 4-4. Christian Watson, I don't think he's going to be available at 61. With him running like a, what was it, like a, a I think his official time was like 4-3-6 at 6-4-2-0-8. Like, it, those kind of receivers that that just that doesn't grow on trees. He might have worked his way up into the first round. I don't think he's available at 61. If he is, take him. Take him. Give Trey, his old college teammate, a big, 
fast, deep threat. I don't think he's available at 61, but if he is, get him. Just don't ask questions, get him. Um, some tight ends. Uh, Jelani Woods blew it up uh, at six foot seven, 260 pounds. He ran a 46140, as well as putting up the most bench press out of anyone at the combine for tight ends. So, Jelani Woods, I think Virginia. Gained some definite draft stock. Uh, he was showing up as like a sixth rounder before the combine on a lot of these draft machines. I'm pretty sure that he's worked his way up higher than that by now. Uh, let's see here. What else? So that was tight ends. Uh, also, uh, Oconquo, I think. I don't know the exact name, but I think he's out of Maryland. He was the fastest tight end. He is undersized. Um, let me see here. So Okonkwo. So he measured in. I don't have the exact measurements here, so I'm not going to waste my time trying to look it up. Um, but he was something like 6'3", a little under 240. So like 6'2", range, 230, 240. But he ran a 4'5", and at tight end, that could be a good day three fit if you want to develop a fullback as a fullback weapon. Uh, so that's somebody to like keep an eye on. I don't know too much about him, but he definitely blew up the combine. Also, uh, two other guys who had solid 40 times. And for a tight end, I think the main thing we're looking for is, are you a good run blocker? Did you run like a sub 4.8? Did you run a sub 4.7? A couple of the faster guys to keep an eye on. Uh, Calcaterra and Bellinger. So those are two tight ends that had good combines just in terms of speed. I don't know how their run games are. I'll have to look into it. Um, a few running backs that could be available late. Uh, Pierre Strong, he had the fastest, I think 4.37. Ty Chandler, I have a video of him up. He ran, I think, just under a 4.4. Uh, Price, Cook, Ebner, Pacheca. Pacheco, sorry, uh, Zemir Wright out of Georgia. So those guys all ran like a sub 4-5, so they're potentially guys to keep an eye on. The defensive line blew up. Uh, Boye Mafe, I really like him at 61. I don't know if he'll be there. He had a really good combine. I think he measured in at like 6'5", 260, and ran like a 4-5 something. Um, Nick Bonito, Benito was a guy I didn't really like just because I was like, I don't know if he's big enough, but he measured in at 6'3", 248, and he ran like a 4'6". So if we're looking for like a speed rusher off the edge, just a pure designated pass rush speed guy, I like Nick Benito now. I'm going to take a look at his film. Uh, Majai Sanders was interesting because apparently he had some kind of like illness and just measured in really badly. He only measured in at like 228, which is way too small for an edge rusher. But then a day or two ago, he posted a thing on Twitter of him getting on the scale at 247. So I'm curious to see what his pro day is. If he just like lost 20 pounds because he was sick and just like tested as poorly as he did because he was sick, I think that could be a potential option. I still don't think he's my favorite. Uh, pass rusher in the second round, but he's an option. Uh, who is it? Robinson. Um, Dominique Robertson. 
So he was looked at as kind of a day three guy, but he had really good testing. Um, Arnold Ebiketti, I think he's worked his way up into the top of the second round with some really good testing, just in terms of like speed, vertical. Uh, Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State, he tested solid, not great. Sam Williams, I mean, there's there's a lot of really talented pass rushers, and that's why I really hope the Niners are able to get a pass rusher in day two, because usually you cannot get a solid pass rusher on day two of the draft. You're kind of hoping, but this is such a deep pass rushing draft. Like I said, and I've been saying consistently, there's there's 10 or 12 pass rushers that are going to go in the first three rounds. And usually you don't have that many. Usually you have, you know, two or three first rounders and then maybe two or three second rounders. This year it's looking like five or six first rounders and another five to eight second or third rounders. So a lot of them. Cornerbacks that tested well. Uh, Taylor out of Virginia. He had a pretty good one. Just in terms of speed, I think he had like a low 4-4. Same with Castro Fields out of Penn State. Uh, Taylor Britt. Uh, oh, my guy, Jalen Armour Davis. I told you, I watched this guy's film. I love him. Out of Alabama, he only started one year out of three years that he could start. First year injury, second year stuck behind Pat Sertain. This last year, really good year. PFF finally put their info up for him, and he had an 80-plus coverage grade this season. He ran like a 4-4-1, so really like Jalen Armour Davis. Again, he's kind of like my uh, third, fourth round, like developmental outside corner, really like him guy. Um, Thompson, so a lot of speed at corner. And then safety, uh, scene tested off the charts, uh, Nick Cross tested very well. I think he had a sub 4440. Same with uh, Scene, sub 4440. Really good. Uh, and then a couple day three guys that tested really well Tyson Anderson, JT Woods. I'm going to have to check them out because they both tested uh, with, I believe, a, a sub 44 or sub 4540. Things to keep in mind that was that's always interesting and you have to consider about the combine. 40 is not everything. And whatever testing you to the combine testing does not make up for make up for tape. So just because somebody tests off the charts, you know, just because you're the fastest wide receiver in the NFL draft doesn't mean that you're a good receiver. Take a look at John Ross. You know, he has the NFL combine record for wide receivers, not a good wide receiver. So just because somebody tests well, doesn't mean they're going to be a good player. Um, like I said, pre-draft, what it does is it either confirms what I saw on tape or it makes me want to go back and check the film again to see if I'm missing something. So there's definitely going to be a bit of that as we look at it. Some general interesting things about the combine. A lot of guys didn't test. So it seemed to me like only about half the guys at the combine actually tested on a lot of the measurables. The other really interesting thing is... As fast as all the 40 times were, pretty much nobody did a three cone. Like, I remember looking at it and I was like, dude, there was only like 20 total players that did a three cone. And there's like 300 guys here. So, very weird that like nobody was testing on the three cone. I don't know why that is. I I heard something about the three cone testing being different this year. But I don't know. It's, it's just... 
I found it very weird that first off, only about half the participants at the combine actually tested because there was a lot that I wanted to see that just didn't. And then how many of them just opted out of so many different things. And then nobody did a three cone, which is weird. So yeah, uh, I think that that's pretty much everything that I wanted to get to. So a few things that I'm going to be doing moving forward. I haven't been doing very much in terms of YouTube. I think I mentioned last time that a whole bunch of my stuff just got taken down and I was just really bummed out by that. Just the fact that somebody, whoever it was, like all my content got taken down. It was a huge bummer. I had, I only have seven videos up now. They're starting to get some views. Like I see now I've got, you know, my, my North Dakota state university NDSU. I've got 85 views on that. Now it's been up two weeks, but I had like nine videos that just, they got taken down and it was extremely discouraging. I didn't feel like recording anything. Uh, I think what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to repost all those videos and I'm just not going to put very much in terms of like the title. So I'm just going to repost with just like Cincinnati versus, you know, whatever, uh, you know, and then under like the details, I'll just put draft prospects and some name. But the only thing that I can think of, I don't really know how YouTube works. I'm still very new at this. That's another reason why this was so discouraging is. I literally started posting stuff a month ago and like two weeks in everything gets taken down. So I'm like, what's the point? You know, I freaking put like 15 or 20 hours of just time and energy into these videos and just to have, you know, 12 hours of content just like erased off of it was super discouraging, but I'm going to repost them to my YouTube channel try changing the titles. Hopefully that doesn't like trigger the algorithm gods or whatever. And I'm going to start doing some more film breakdowns because it's fun. I want to do it for you. I think what I'm going to do though, I know I have 17 subscribers. I'm just going to make it so that the names of the videos don't trigger every algorithm. And maybe that way I won't hit the, get hit by the copyright thing. Uh, I personally think that what I'm doing should be considered fair use. The fact that I'm commentating and providing insight and education and like research purposes, I don't understand how that's not fair use. And I don't feel like going up against like some super big corporation with all these money or anything like this to me is just a fun hobby that I'm passionate about. But I want to give you guys the access and, you know, my thought process behind what I'm watching. So... Go check out the channel. Like I said, I'm going to try re-uploading those 10 videos or whatever, uh, nine or 10 videos that got taken down. I'll be changing the names a little bit, so hopefully they don't trigger. And I'll be posting some new stuff. So keep an eye out. There will probably be, there's seven videos right now on the YouTube channel. There will probably be 10 to 15 more added and or re-uploaded within the next week. Cause I'm going to try re-uploading all of them. They got taken down, which is like nine of them. And then I'm going to try and do another, you know, two to three a week, uh, here till the combine. We're going to try and get as many as we can done. 
Hopefully I don't get taken down and copyrighted again. Um, and if that does, then you know what? I'm just going to have to figure out how to spend a lot more time editing. But it's just so hard, like I said, with time and life. You know, I full-time job plus a puppy plus a girlfriend. Got to take time for everyone and don't want to stretch myself out too much. It's uh, I, Where do I have three extra hours to edit a video? You know, like it just... It's not worth it to me, so I'll figure it out. But keep an eye on the channel. There'll be a lot more content popping up this week. And uh, as always, I appreciate every single one of you. Like, comment, subscribe. Thank you, all 10 to 20 of you who are listening. I appreciate you. We'll be back probably in three or four days with Jimmy G trade stuff, free agency stuff, because you know the first two or three days of the free agency is always crazy, so... At the very least, we will be back with one podcast a week going forward and more YouTube to come. So catch you later. Go Niners.